0: don't know this, then you're behind the times.
1: The
2: only metric that matters is convenience.
1: Rules apply to you, suddenly you're an advertiser finding space.
0: This is Social Minds, the UK's first dedicated social media marketing podcast brought to you by Social Chain. I'm Theo
2: And I'm Eve. And each week, we'll be joined by a host of progressive minds to learn the unique and innovative ways that social media is being used around the world.
0: On this podcast, we'll be discussing the latest developments across social and what they mean for us all. And if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to get new episodes every week. This week on Social Minds. In answer to your question, who
1: runs AdLand? The brands. There are clients. And who runs the brands? The consumers. We were
2: joined by Leo Harrison, a founding partner and global COO of Oliver, an agency which differentiates itself with an in-house model.
0: Yes, the existing agency model is changing. What it looks like tomorrow, there are many different answers to that. Now, Leo is definitely leading up the in-house model, but he also recognises specialist agencies coming through. And all of this is leading to a massive disruption of the status quo. Talent and creative and the work is,
1: is absolutely fundamental because that's the result at the end of the day mm. but it's also how you get there mm. and how you get there in an environment where you've got to do more advertising faster for less money
2: All this and more coming up
0: Leo, welcome Thank you Good to have you on um, We've got a big question for you uh, something that has been on our minds for a while want to know with the advertising model rapidly changing what does the future of agencies look like to you? Uh, I think, firstly, the future looks really good. Um, I think that
1: brands have never had so much data in the past and access to so much data, Mm -hmm. and brands have never been able to be so targeted. Um, I think that means that the old school way of working um, has had to change, and I think new types of agencies have come to to the forefront. Mm -hmm. Um, Agencies with new models and agencies with specialisms, mm. and it's it's allowed um, it's allowed us to break the mould, if you like, is to the traditional way of working. Mm. So mm. you're seeing companies like you know, Social Chain. You're seeing companies like Oliver. Um, you're seeing specialists come to the forefront and be really, really successful. Mm. Um, and the sort of big four networks are finding it hard to be agile enough mm. to change as quickly as um, as the small agencies can. So I think I think it's it's a really exciting future for agencies um who want to to come with a, something new.
0: Mm. Can you shed some light on what that traditional sort of agency model looks like, you know, when we talk about like the big fours, because they're how how are they operating in this digital world? I think um I, I don't want, I don't want to say that it's broken because it's not. And the, the, the
1: traditional agencies have got an immense amount of talent mm. and it still works really well. And they, they launched some amazing campaigns. But what I would say is that um, CMOs and brands have got all of this data, um, they've got to move a lot faster, and um, they've got less budgets. Okay, They're the three key things. Mm -hmm. And um, in a traditional sense, um, an agency would house all of its talent and um, it would take a brief from a client and you'd have account management, you'd have project management, you'd have creative, you'd have strategy. And all of these uh, departments would never really sit together as one community. They'd sit as independent departments. And the time that it takes, the communication from the CMI wanting to do something, either react to something in the industry and get something out there, um, it, it just takes too long. Um, and in an environment and in an industry whereby... Um, something can happen in a morning or at night, and you need to react within hours it 's just not fast enough mm-hmm. yeah so um so they 're ca- they 're catching on to it they 're catching on
0: to it i, I suppose as nice. well it, it's we 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 see that every day that, and it 's like a byproduct of like this you know we can say for, for us it 's social first i guess it 's mm-hmm. that you know you 're not sending a press release by mail or by Magpie before that, it is, you know, we, we will get in in the mornings and see all the things that Silicon Valley have announced the night before. Yeah, you, and like, have, right, to okay, you bang. have to be
2: fast moving, don't you? 100%. Yeah. And I really agree with what you said about specialist agencies emerging. Mm. That's something I've seen a lot recently. We have, um, so Manchester just earned its first... A dedicated influencer agency, and I've seen another one which is dedicated just to the creation of Facebook Live videos. Mm. And they're like, I can see why that's happening. It's definitely a response to the market shift. But what worries me with that is we've sort of learned, especially after last year, what happened with Facebook and um, the decline in organic reach, and Facebook sort of taking back that engagement um, because they ultimately own the audiences. People had to respond to that by diversifying the Mm -hmm. channels that they were putting out content on um, so that they weren't putting all their eggs in one basket. So these specialized agencies make me wonder. You're building a whole company around essentially a product mm. that mm. you don't own yep. and audiences that you don't own. So is there a risk that comes with that?
1: Uh, I, I think that, I think there is a risk, yeah. I think – but, you know, this is just a response to an evolution um, um, and you have to innovate. So um, they – have innovated and responded to what the market's doing, mm. and you know, in, in a couple of years' time, it'll move on and innovate again. Mm. Um, what's really, really clear to me is the pace is not slowing down; it's getting faster and faster. I pulled some stats from a report from PwC, and you know, some in- I mean, I couldn't believe this, but within one minute, um, there are 3.8 million Google searches mm. that go on. There are 350,000 tweets that are sent within one minute. You know, there are 1.5 Spotify songs tweeted. These are the consumers on their devices Mm. just going through stuff at a rapid pace. You know, I'm 20 years in the industry, and I've never known it to be so fast. Um, So I think think it's great that the agencies have adapted and and evolved – And with that evolution and reliance on on certain other businesses that contribute to our ecosystem, Mm. um, we've got to all be reliant on each other, you know. So I don't know what the next version looks like, but it will evolve again and our agencies have to innovate and move again.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think adaptation is key. It's like Steve has always said if one day social media was not the thing, yeah. we'd, we'd change, we, we bit, wouldn't yeah. do it anymore, yeah. we'd move to something
1: else. So one of the, the mottos that I've always gone by when it comes to working with brands and clients is you never lose a client through lack of innovation. I've seen, and again I'm gonna show my age here, but I've seen um, us service w- one brand from print and direct mail doing laser lay you sending know, snail mail out in the post. And, and we've evolved that brand. And they've moved on to digital email, then you know, uh, social content, community management, and then into you know, going on to things like WhatsApp now. You mm. know? Um, if we didn't innovate our solution to them, the agency that was innovating would have taken our business from us. Yeah. Mm. And that exact brand still works with us 15 years later. Mm. So evolution, innovating what you do is so, so important.
2: So Sorry, so you. you carry on. Uh, what does Oliver then do to innovate?
1: So Oliver um, is an agency that specialises in in building in-house agencies for brands. Um, One of the things we do is become, we are constantly paranoid. Uh, It's called positive paranoia. And um, we're quite lucky because we are are one agency that's not housed in one location. So we have, in the UK alone, just about 100 in-house agencies, ranging from two or three people in-house through to 70 people in-house for a brand. And that not only um, allows us to spread our tentacles, but l- tap into what other brands are doing. Mm. So we're lucky enough to be in-house at Unilever. And, and being in-house at Unilever gives us access to what Facebook, Twitter, Instagram are all doing, that we can learn and, and become better, and then take that, become a better business, and offer that to other brands and clients and share that learning. I, I believe that, that with every client that we work with, um, we become a better business because we learn from them and that's so so important so the way we do it there's no like secret ingredient or you know cryptic training course that we do it's just we are so open and humble to learning from the people we work with whether it be a partner agency that we work with for a
0: brand the brand themselves or each other
2: it's definitely unique
0: thanks you've you've got some uh, I, I want to throw up an interview that you did with uh, RMD Katie yeah. Leeson uh, last year and she's sort of uh, Argued against the in house model in a way and yeah. argued for agencies.
2: Yeah, so I think what Katie was touching on was uh, more the trend of brands themselves taking their own creative back in house um, to save money mm-hmm. mostly. Uh, but then obviously the pitfalls that are that what we found is a lot of brands don't have the time and the resource to test things before yeah. they go out. So things are more likely to fail and they're. They're not as um, fast moving because their sole job isn't just their social output or their, you know, TV campaigns or their programmatic ad campaigns or their out of home. It's everything. Like that's the entire brand under one roof. Mm-hmm. So naturally, they can't focus all their attention on just their marketing or their advertising output. Um, so that's where agencies can still hold real value is to be that testing bed for them and and remain agile.
1: Yep. Yeah. I mean, to to respond to that, you you just you just answered it exactly. I think I think that. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's it's the new way and it's the only way. The traditional approach works really, really well. Building a brand, building its own in-house team works really, really well. What um, Oliver have developed is another option and it's actually a split between the two and we believe it is the best option um, because you can conquer the issues of um, being a business that, that motivates and mentors and develops agency people's careers because they're working for an agency, they're just in-house. You get the proximity, speed, and, um, and brand knowledge of being in-house, um, and you get that pace. So, um, and, and a lot of our people move around. So when we put people in-house um, for, I don't know, um, Pepsi, BritVic, Unilever, they will, um, they will work there for a year, two years, three years, sometimes more. But sometimes they'll do six months, nine months. They'll move to a different in-house agency, get further learnings and come back. So creatives like to fill their book. Creatives like to work on different brands. Creatives like to be challenged. Um, and, and being an in-house agency, we can offer that because, because we can move people around. But we can also offer the benefit to brands because mm-hmm. we can give that proximity, speed and cost.
2: I wonder... Um Obviously, it may depend on your location and how many people you're sending in-house at one time. But I can see the clear benefits of being closer to a brand's resources and what's going on there. But does that pull you away from your own resources in any way?
1: Yeah, the one, one of my um, biggest, um, I think one of my biggest paranoias and, and one of the things that would keep me up at night is... Um, making sure that our in-house agencies feel connected to us as a business. yeah. Um, because if, if uh, uh, whether you're a designer, account manager, producer that sits in-house and you don't feel part of our business, um, we're not adding value to you as an individual mm-hmm. and we're not adding value to that brand. You may as well hire that person. So so we put a lot of emphasis into um, a talent and people team at our head office that connects um, the in-house agencies to our, our head office. We call them campuses. Because that's where they come back, they socialise, they learn, we do training courses, and they go back out there and, and work with the brands. Yeah, And and one of the things that, that, that we really, really do, we invest a, a lot of money and time in that. So if you were to look at our agency, we have, you know, let's say 100 in-house agencies in the UK, we have three or four uh, hub offices in major cities. Um, if you look at those hub offices, they will look like your typical creative agency. They'll have management, they'll have finance, they'll have a creative structure, they'll have a strategy structure, data structure, design teams. The only difference between that building of people that, that deliver that, that um, you know, the creative services to brands and a traditional agency is that building is only focused on, its only purpose is to support the in-house agencies. And as you say, connect with the in-house agencies and mm. support them. So, so in answer to your question, we... We keep our people connected by investing a lot of money in in, in talent and um, and engagement. But also, our, our, our businesses and head offices are structured as a supporting framework for all of our in-house agencies with a support network. It's not the other way around, mm-hmm. right? They are the main main event. We are the support network.
0: And you, and you Oliver, was founded in two thousand and four. What what's changed in Adland between two thousand and four and now? Who who runs Adland? Because it used to be, I mean, I think. You know, from an outsider's point of uh, looking in, when you think of advertising, you think of the, you know, the creative directors of, you know, yesterday, the the, the big dogs, you know, the the your uh, BBHs and Avenue? stuff, yeah, Madison Avenue <laughs> yeah. and all of that, and it, it it doesn't, it's it's come away from that, you know, it's not the 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 only names you aren't hearing are John Haggerty and all of these people, you it's become King such a, yes, yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. yeah. So I think um,
1: I think it's great that it's been disrupted. Um, and I think the whole hierarchy needs to, to humble up a little bit. Um, and I think that um, in answer to your question, who runs Adland? The brands. They're our clients. And who runs the brands? The consumers. Mm. You can't mm. forget that. You know, y- your main priority has got to be your customer. And that's who runs Adland, the consumers and 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 the brands. And we service the brands who service the consumers. That's, that's my outlook on it. Um, and if you take your eye off that and you focus on, uh, how big you are in the industry, I think you're looking in the wrong direction.
0: I think there's definitely something to be said for that, isn't there? Because it's almost, this, and this is a theme that, that has come up and is going to keep coming up in yeah. this podcast, I think, that the the power is going back to the consumers. There's yeah. always that famous line, you know, that, um, you know about consumers, not an idiot, is your wife or, you know, your husband or your partner now. Yeah. Um, but you're definitely seeing that shift, aren't you, where they're becoming more in control and it's not about, you know, which holding company owns you or the campaign you did in 1987 mm. or whatnot. It's about the... I remember we were saying yesterday
2: about people, or they might not have ever liked it, but certainly now people don't like being told by sort of corporate entities who they are and what they want. Mm. So I've been mm. I've been watching Mad Men recently. I've, yeah. I'm a, a bit late to the hype. But you watch it and it is literally... Men in a room saying, you know, this is what the consumer wants. They're they're literally like, we're going to tell them what they want and it's this product. Whereas now, you're right, it's a complete reverse. We have to adapt and change to what the consumer or the people are telling us that they want.
1: Yeah, they are. And I think there's all sorts of um, ways of finding out what they want. I think, you know, and you guys will know, know, influencer marketing is a great portal to find out what your consumers want and what Mm. they're talking about. The only fear that you know I'm I'm learning about and, and want to understand more about is you know how powerful can an influencer get that actually starts to control the brand a bit too mm, much you know mm. I've, I've heard of brands that actually. Um, uh, Fear some influencers because they have too much power over some of their strategies, and Very if they light. don't like what they do, then are they going to be negative towards it? And they'll 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 speak badly of the the, the brand. So, it, I think it's it's a big balancing act mm. um, of of these portals of information, and uh, and I think again, I think it's great. I think you know it's all amazing stuff, but it's all it needs to be measured and and controlled and, and managed. But the number one priority always has to be the consumer and. For the agency, well, for people like us, it's the brand. We are meant to help them facilitate um, and come up with ideas to enhance what they do and and, and and sell and shout about their products. Uh, but, um, but yeah, we don't, we, don't, we don't go for, we're the big control, you know, kingpins of the industry. I'm mm-hmm. not interested in that.
0: On, on that line, I want to touch on something that you uh, were speaking to us earlier about, which was uh, sustainable customer benefits and, uh, and what you mean by these, basically. So sustainable customer benefits forms part of our DNA. Um,
1: we believe in, in three key things, which is um, uh, sustainable customer benefits, um, competitive differentiation, and operational capability. If you can hit those three pillars, uh, I think you've got a really great proposition for your customer, whether it's a consumer or, a, or it's, it's a brand.
2: Can you break down those three points in layman's, please?
1: Yeah, I can try. <laughs> um, so sustainable customer benefits. Um, so when, when I talk about, in a, from an agency point of view, what a sustainable customer benefit is, it's it's about delivering um, uh, a saving for a client financially that's not lowballing a tender. So you win the win the work, mm-hmm. and then in in um, three months' time, you can't operationally deliver it because you've lowballed it so much, you skimp on the resources, and you provide crap work. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so a sustainable customer benefit would be um, delivering a, a competitive price, um, which. Um, is it drives savings uh, to whoever you're working for, but actually it, it's not um, a price that lo- low balls it. You can operationally deliver quality work at the same time, mm. so they get the benefit of the price, they get the benefit of the quality, um, and you know the the, uh, the campaigns get executed really really well. I think you know a, a customer benefit is um, any reason why a person or a brand would buy your product.
2: And what were the other two, sorry? Uh,
1: operational capability. Yeah. So, again, I'm uh, quite a fan of this one because you have to be operationally capable of delivering what it is you're selling or providing. Yeah. Um, and and if you're not, um, you will either provide a crap product or... Um, or, um, you'll lose that customer really rapidly. So, um, so you have to, uh, it, as, as the agency landscape and as the marketing landscape has spread into, you know, social, digital content, all these other things have popped up, um, uh, agencies have tried to spread themselves to be able to answer everything. Yeah, mm. yeah, mm. and and um, and they're sometimes not operationally capable. So that's why I love specialist agencies because they say we are operationally capable at this. This is what we do. Mm. We focus purely on this, and we're brilliant at it. And I, I love agencies that are bold enough to say, no, we don't do that because you know we're not built that. This is what we do, but we're really great at that. If you want that, this is what we do. Mm. Um, so, you know, we build in-house agency for brands. That's what we do. If a client wants, you know, a, a traditional approach, then we'd probably say, well, we don't we do not do project work um, and we don't, um, you know, build agencies that, that um, you know, aren't in close proximity to what you do.
2: Mm. I wonder, could we have a picture of a future where a brand hires a different specialist agency for every single different specialism?
0: Yeah, it could. It's, it's, uh, it's
2: like you've got one agency for your influencers and one for your... But if it was by platform, one for your there, Facebook, one yeah, video.
0: said specialist agencies pop One for up.
2: animation,
1: yeah. you know. I think I, th- I think it, there's there's no reason why it couldn't. Um, you know, it's broken up already in in you know online, offline, above the line, below the line production yeah. agencies. Mm-hmm. You know. Go, go back 10, 15 years, you probably wouldn't have thought um, that your creative agency wouldn't do your production and, and all your media types. But actually, it has the, the decoupling of the creative idea versus the media production side of things happened. Mm-hmm. And you've got specialist agencies. And then you've got digital. Digital ended up being such a massive word that it needed to be broken up. And so people could understand what digital was. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was content. What's content? And now it's social, you know? Um, so, so I think it's going to continue to break down, maybe not as far as disciplines.
0: But as far as, you know, um, specialisms, definitely. I I want to touch on social a bit more as well and and sort of say that because, uh, you know, we we know the, in our eyes, the wrong way of doing something and that would be for your agency to create a TVC and then say, right, we're going to break it up into a million different pieces and that's clearly where we're sort of going wrong, aren't we? Mm -hmm. So... um, the alternative way of thinking to that so I, I suppose when we when we say you know there's there, there is this disruption happening is that one of the ways it's happening i suppose that i think um i think uh, that uh tvcs are
1: um you know and were the, the the main channel for for advertising distribution i think that um i think content has certainly disrupted that and the consumers are pulling uh, content rather than being pushed. It now, you know, mm. everyone mm. knows that. So I think that um, I, I think that more and more uh, brands are going to move towards uh, agencies that that can deliver um, content that's relevant to the audience. It has to be authentic is what I'm trying mm, to say. Right? Mm. So so TVC is a, a great piece of brand work, um, but it has to have authenticity. And what it might mean to, to us in the UK as authentic might be completely different into a team in Sao Paulo as mm. authentic mm, or a team mm. in South Africa in Joburg as authentic. So so brands have had to be able to to, to break up what they do and, and localise. If you've got a global brand, it has to been able to extend its reach and be authentic in the local market. So um, all of these agencies that specialise in certain regions have,
0: have also popped up. You know, mm. I, I think we because we've been having loads of conversations about TV, haven't we? And we are seeing oh, yeah. that as well. <laughs> the, the whole sort of argument for you know the real time targeting and all of that, and it's, this, this, you know, everything being broken down and you know micro targeting into the to the mindset at the time, aren't we? And it's uh, it's, it's definitely a shift. I want to as well focus more on that. End. This new school within advertising, it's fair to say, you know, we we, we sat around this room and we're definitely from this new school of advertising and and where that's going. And um, one of the points that we always kind of hear is that, uh, you know, people say... The, the training, the, you know, going a bit off piece here, but the existing training in, in advertising and whatnot, it's maybe not, uh, doesn't necessarily ring true with what's happening in our industry and the speed of change that's going on. Mm. You could say the upper level. My son, who's 15 months
1: old, will learn things at school that are going to make no odds to him when he's actually grown up and doing what he's doing when he's 18, 19 or 20 mm. years old. Mm. So I think, you know, the, the pace of the world is moving is incredibly fast, and uh, and education absolutely needs to change. Whether it's industry education, training for you know developing your employees, mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. Or, or or just the, the the sort of standard school um, academics and curriculums, you know. So um, I I love. Um, I love uh, educating uh, employees and teams. I think it's a massive thing you must do to retain uh, and and improve uh, improve your service and and relevance. You know, um, I think. Uh one, I think there's a statement I heard about, you know, it's a classic kind of joke statement where someone said, you know, oh, it, you know, the, the finance director's complaining about how much money a company's spending on training its employees. And the CEO turns around and said, How much money do you think we'd be spending if we don't train our employees? Yeah, that's you know? <laughs> yeah. no, so true. But
2: that's another point that Katie made in our interview as well, because Katie comes from a network agency background. And she said one of the biggest things is that she'll always try and give a fair argument, if she has a lot of people asking her, you know, which route is best to go down, either at the beginning of my career or if I want a career change and she said it depends on what you want to get out of it so if you want to go into a very niche specialism and you're very happy staying on your own two feet then a big network agency can work for you Mm. but if you're say like starting out or if you want to be trained and develop and learn loads of new skills from people who have time to teach you those new skills then smaller is better.
1: Yeah I think so I think a lot of of people come uh, out of university and, and uh, it's a competitive environment. If you're, you know, someone coming out of university anyway, but going into to, to an advertising agency, you know, they're not short of candidates half the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Um, so going into a smaller agency, learning your craft, getting some good men- mentoring, and um, is a really, really good place to start. I think what the issue is once you start learning your craft and the agency invests in you, they've got then retain you because mm-hmm. once you've got that 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 education and and you know what you're doing they could lose you to a, to, to a bigger company. So Yeah, definitely.
0: That, that's an interesting point I want to touch on. How, how easy has it been to attract uh, talent uh, from, you know, if we talk about people who are at the top of the game, we can still say that there are a lot of people from that traditional world who have been around for, you know, ages and ages and ages. How easy is it to attract talent to this new way of thinking? It's getting easier. I think the main one of the main
1: reasons why it's getting easier is because the industry as a whole, including brands and advertisers, have... Have, um, have woken up or bought into this, this you know, new methodology and way of working. And um, and we're kind of riding a bit of a crest of a wave because, you know, in 2004, we found it very hard to get into the big brands. You know, a few, few of the, the, the ones trusted us, we've still got them today and it's been amazing. Uh, but in 2004, five, six, it, it was quite hard. Um, then going to seven, eight, nine, 10, 12, um, people started to talk a bit more about in-house agencies because, you know, Budgets were significantly reducing. Mm. Um, uh, the pace was significantly increasing, um, and um, and agencies and sorry brands needed a way of of, of meeting that. And in housing started to become uh, a thing people talked about. Now we just happened to be there with this proposition that we've been punting around for you know five six years before. And we it's like surfing, right? We saw this wave coming, and then we jumped on this wave, and now we're riding this riding this wave. So it was. Oliver's success is having an amazing model that we invested in heavily, but also we're riding the wave of... The crest of a wave that the industry has created as well, so this is the industry moving, and, and we're we're on that on that wave,
2: yeah, definitely, you know what it reminds me of we have uh, revolution bars group coming in hot desk with the team sometimes so they yeah. can have that proximity, yeah, and I know the guys said that that's like they find that really beneficial,
0: yeah, this is something we've we've definitely said about being an extension of your team, and you know yeah. whilst we whilst we do come from different sides of the room in a way, and I suppose whilst, whilst we are um agencies you know in different specialisms it is still the change in that relationship yeah, it's I think...
2: adopting that mindset isn't it where it's not like we're the agency you're the client
0: Yeah, it's yeah. like
2: actually we're working on the same projects we may as well view it as one
1: you know 20. a bit more of a collaborative team yeah here. Yeah, uh, you've got to be an extension of their team. Whether 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 you're on site, off site, integrated, not integrated, they come to you, you come to us. You're still doing the same stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just um, we the way we do it is it this way, and it's the, the way other agencies do it is is the other way. Mm. It's just another option. Some for some brands, it works really, really well, and for other brands, it doesn't work. Mm. Um, so, um, so yeah, like I said earlier, there's no ro- one wrong way of doing it. It's just we've created another way yeah. of
0: doing it. Can you shed some light on the opposition you've received from other agencies and from the traditional world and from people who've been in Adland forever Mm -hmm. saying, you know, the world doesn't need an Oliver? Any
2: sceptics in the room?
0: Yeah, there's a few.
1: Um, Yeah, I said I I was on a panel um, uh, a couple of weeks ago with the CMAs and one of the panel guys said, um, the world shouldn't need Oliver. And I was quite pleased that I had that free advertising from him <laughs> to <laughs> the panel, but but um, but in, in my view, you know, you know, the, the world shouldn't need Netflix, right? But you know, the world moved on from VHS into to mm. downloadable streaming. It's just another way of doing something. You know, I think if people start focusing on on you know the competitor, if you, I'm happy for people to focus on us all day long because I'm focusing on the client and the brand. You know, I, I don't really focus on on the other agencies. I don't. I actually don't. Spend any time thinking about the competition. I know them. I don't know a lot about them. I don't. I don't do many networking events uh, with any anyone else, any other any other agencies. I don't. I'm not big in the industry because I just focus on our clients that, mm. and our people. Mm. That's all I care about. Is are our people motivated? Are they happy? Are they doing good work? And if they're doing good work, our clients are going to be happy and they're going to keep working with us. Um, so, you know, I I kind of I I don't worry about. Um, the kingpin and who's who's big in Adland. I don't worry about um, who our competition is. There are always going to be compet- competition no matter what you're doing. Um, but just stay focused on your beliefs and what you're doing. And you know, we've our, our growth rate's been sort of seventy percent year on year for the last fourteen years. We're just going to keep doing it. You know, mm. and that's working for us.
2: Why? Mm. Why did he say that the world shouldn't need Oliver? I don't, I don't know. Like, Ouch.
1: Maybe I, I didn't rise to it. Actually, I didn't respond. Oh. Um, but, <laughs> Very um, noble. Yeah, exactly. But I think um, I think. He was a media guy, and I think that um, there's there's a number of people that are probably you know, seeing the change, mm. um, and they're reluctant to do that. They're reluctant to change because they're probably quite happy in their own environment. Mm. Um, so I guess it's just an insecurity, it's yeah, to call it. Yeah, I
2: would mm. argue. That we always need innovation. Otherwise, what what, what well, are we left yeah, with? Like, a big even even your, to your Netflix mean, yeah. example, I'd argue that the world did need Netflix. Absolutely. And if if we didn't, that it wouldn't have happened. It's the more convenient option, isn't yeah. it? It's more suited to people's like on demand. Once.
0: For, for me, there's, there's a great irony with all of this. Um, and I see it in that, you know, having, having read a few books and what it was like at the time, I mean, I wasn't around in 1962, I can't profess She's to be. A super
2: fan.
0: But, the, you know, advertising was ran by sort of old, you know, army generals. And it was all very, very rigid. And then these sort of, you know, hot young things sort of came in and, and disrupted the, you know, the landscape completely. And now it seems like that's happening again. And we're on the other side of that. And we see it with stuff like uh, TV, you know, where we know uh, viewing figures are declining among millennials and Gen Z and young yeah. people and advertising is changing. But there's still that romanticism about the past. Back, yeah. There's still that, you know, let's, let's still clutch on to yeah. like, you know, the satchis and the, and the yeah. great days yeah. of this and that. And do it's, think it the... last.
2: It's exactly the same as when we started seeing the shift from landscape video to vertical video. There's so mm-hmm. many, like, every videographer in the world or like cinematographer has been trained that landscape videos better mm-hmm. because the better format and we're more used to watching it and it's the more natural way but at the end of the day it's not what's more convenient now
1: it's how it's how people are sometimes programmed and you know if you're if you're open to change um, and and being challenged and, and thinking you know is this still the right way of doing things and mm. open to to say actually no we need to change then mm. you'll grow and learn if you're if you're stuck in your ways you won't grow and learn mm. you know you can apply that to pretty much anything
2: yeah
0: i want to touch on something that, uh, as well that we haven't covered yet that you uh taught me actually in our in our conversation the other day and this was the uh tier one to tier three level uh, of thinking yeah, in advertising okay yeah so um
1: very broadly speaking um there are you know kind of people talk about three tiers to to advertising you've got your tier one um which is the sort of the, the big thinking um creative strategic brand agencies you have your your tier twos, which are your, in my view, and this is this is perception, right? This is my view. Um, your tier twos are like your activation creative agencies that take that brand in different markets uh, and they adapt it to to work for that local audience. And then you have your tier threes, which are, are your agencies, your production agencies that that you know the the, the high volume, resizing, um, fast paced media production agencies. And again, that's that's. Not changing. I think that's that's going to remain, but I think that there's going to be another layer, or the tier three is going to change. I think technology is going to play a massive part in in changing how um, how agencies and brands um, uh, connect with those three tiers. So, you know, the, the technology that um, can do uh, localized marketing, as an example, um, another agency that I know, a company called MoFilm. Um, they have a global network of 10,000 uh, videographers, and they have a piece of technology that connects you or the brand to those 10,000 videographers. And you can imagine if you are a brand and you're working with a traditional agency, or the, a tier two agency that, that would give you an estimate for a producer, uh, a creative director, uh, a videographer, director, um, the brand, to all travel to Cape Town to do a shoot that's a big price tag mm. right um they'll do the shoot and then they'll come back edit it and they'll do the, do the do the campaign you you translate that into a piece of technology that that mo film have which is well um you you have a piece of technology you go into it you put the brief up it pumps you straight into um the um videographers directors in that local market who understand that local market and can help you tell you the best place to do a certain shoot it, they can do the shoot all for you, run it all for you, and then send you the assets back, assets back. That's technology cutting out massive slices of the cost of delivering that mm. piece of work. And you still the output still the same. In fact, it might be better because you've got that local local knowledge.
2: Would it be someone different every time, though? Does it stop you building that relationship with the team that like, you're used to?
1: It doesn't have to be someone different every time for a particular location. Um, you know, the the, the the good side to that might be that you have that, that benefit of that no, local knowledge. Mm. Um, yeah, the, the sort of less so good side might be that you don't have the same person working across all of the all the different locations, yeah. but that's not to say you can't have somebody back at base, you know, creative directing it as well.
2: Yeah, maybe. That that sort of reminds me of, like, sometimes we've had to hire um, voice actors, you know, you can, like, use platforms like Fiverr and whatnot, and then yeah. you'll just send them the words, and then they send you back the audio. And if there's some kind of message that's lost in translation there, it's like, oh, well, the, I just feel like there's a bit of a wall between us we can't really get to whereas yeah. when we have someone in this room microphone in front of them and we're right there it's so much easier to communicate an idea
1: I think you're right I think it you've got to balance it all the time with all these things right? you can't swing the pendulum from one place to the other mm. technology should never be a barrier to um, you know quality or getting something done but technology can speed things up mm. you know mm.
0: Should have yeah. remained ludite about it. And um, I wanna touch on a, a sort of final point that we haven't brought up and that is the matter of differentiation. So we are living in a world where we have agencies upon agencies upon agencies who can do absolutely everything. How do you differentiate? Because the you know, at the end of the day we can talk about the model and this and that, but it's all comes down to work, doesn't it? It all comes back down to your level of creativity. How is it, you know, to do with values, is it something else? How do agencies nowadays differentiate from one another, would you say? Um, I, I think because there are so many more uh, agency
1: specialisms now, um, they can differentiate quite easily uh, and bring their certain skill sets uh, to, to, to the pitch. Um, our differentiation is our model, um, but it's not just the model. It's the technology that sits behind that model. Mm. It's how we manage in the DNA of our people. Um a mistake that people make when they want to to judge us is, "Oh, you just put your people on site." That couldn't be further from the truth. You know, the people that work for our agency, it's like they're our they're our people. Um, they they live and breathe our culture. Mm. Um, they're creatively led by amazing creative people that sit and work at our head office that actually don't spend time at head office in a hierarchical way. They spend time out on site with with the guys looking at their work. Um, so so when we talk about differentiation, we believe that that. that proximity technology and process people process technology is our differentiation mm. um, other companies come in with super brilliant and you know absolutely amazing technology platforms that absolutely you know win pitches and wipe the floor with people mm. so so I think I think there there are there are many ways that that agencies differentiate themselves um, it's not it's not um, who's got the best creative director anymore. Talent and creative and the work is is absolutely fundamental because that's the result at the end of the Mm, day. mm. But it's also how you get there Mm. and how you get there in an environment where you've got to do more advertising faster for less money, you know?
2: Yeah, I think what you said about um, culture and values as well is so important because it's like your personality, isn't it? And if everyone has their unique personality, just like people, we can't all be the same. Everyone's going to have their unique selling points. It's certainly Mm. been the case for us, our values. We um, think our differentiator is media chain.
0: I know mm, that's been like massively mm.
2: beneficial having that publishing arm where we can mm, test mm. things before we actually send them out.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Do you get? Bra- I'm, I'm keen to start a final point. Do you, do you get brands who still very much uh, like that old traditional model? They like the fact that there's a hierarchy. They like the fact that you creative directors been at the top agencies for the past 40 years and it's or, or does because I think Familiar. you know I think in terms of you've got something as big as Unilever mm. is it just you know that it's been around for forever I guess does the sort of does that not always outweigh the kind of you know we want to uh, save money and we want to you know be faster and um, I think well to talk quickly about
1: Unilever Unilever is an amazing innovative business for the size of business that it is and they are absolutely tuned into to innovation and changing with the pace of marketing. But there are brands out there, other brands, and, and I've experienced some that, yeah, they, they, they do like that. And that's okay, you know, they, they wanna continue working their that way, that's fine. And mm. if it works for them, brilliant, you know, carry on. Uh, there's one um, brand that, you know, I won't mention that that I couldn't get into their office uh, for years. Couldn't even get a, get a meeting with them until, We cleaned the slate at the Drum Awards and won three golds and were nominated for 20 awards. All of a sudden, (laughs) they picked up the phone and they they gave me an appointment. That's
2: interesting. It's like they needed that sort of traditional piece of reassurance before they could, uh, like, measure your worth on any level.
1: Yeah, and I I understand that and I don't actually fully disagree with it because, you know, while awards... um, uh, are good they do show a level of quality and capability for an agency mm. you, know? Um, you know I couldn't put my coffee cup down this morning when I came in with all the water you've got on your reception <laughs> so so they're, they're going to need a bigger table yeah, exactly so so they show quality and capability mm. and and I don't I, I, I respect the fact that that, that uh, individual that I've tried to get a meeting with um, wouldn't see me until he had that
0: reassurance mm. and that's fine mm. and, and now we're working mm. with them high mm. standards High standards,
2: yeah,
0: exactly, not yeah. Necessarily bad. It is it's not bad. It does interest me, though, that it, that, that is a... Bi- you know, because when we talk about disruption and disruptors in the industry, there are so many that it's like, how do you, you know, generate that authenticity? How do you generate that level of credibility in such a short space of time, I suppose? Yeah, it's
1: it's very hard to... It's very hard to, to create credibility. And also, I think it's very hard to, to change... Um, a paradigm of, of someone's, uh, a client's view of you. So, yeah. so you know, we started uh, the agency and we were doing very much the sort of, I call it the tier three to tier two type work. Mm. Mm. And we wanted to go upstream and be more strategic, more creative. But it took quite some time before brands would actually buy into that. Mm. And it wasn't until we started to, tr- to really start to attract the talent that we've got in our business um, that then produced the work that then allowed us to go upstream. So it was one thing to to convince myself, or to convince brands to see us because we had a new model. Mm. But the, the second challenge we had is brands that we were currently working with would trust us for what we were doing. Mm. But when we wanted to move upstream, we had to sh- show a further level of capability. Yeah. And that took time, you know, because you've got, to, you've got some risks there. You know, you could go upstream and if you, you mess it up, you could lose what you've got in your mm. current relationship and the relationship's gone. So, so, so there are a number of things at play there that say that, Yes you want to go upstream yes you want to innovate and, and move into other areas of that, that existing customer but you have to almost overinvest in it because there's so much more at risk if you yeah, mess you it up you have to
2: justify I know we've experienced the same That's why we've like even um the past year the amount of new hires Then you can see like for different areas in which yeah. we're looking to grow and they're really making a lot of effort to bring in um the best people for for that job because yeah you must need that reassurance you and do. justification
0: yeah Interests me that the media landscape is changing as quickly as the agency landscape, I suppose, which is fantastic. Which one's the
2: chicken and which one's the egg?
0: (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I've no idea. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. Big philosophical question. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) well then things there thank you very much Leo pleasure speaking to you yeah
2: thank you for
1: coming on thank you I'm a massive fan of what you guys are doing and uh, I'm a big listener so I might even hear myself listening to one of these podcasts (laughs) yeah it's not
2: as fun listening back to yourself talking but hopefully you'll still enjoy it
1: no offence I might skip this episode (laughs) (laughs) but um, but I've listened to all of your podcasts they're brilliant and I want to say that you guys give back to the industry and I think you're amazing thank you oh thank you
0: thank you very very much thank you appreciate it Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode.
2: If you did, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really, really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week.
0: This has been the Social Minds Podcast with myself, Theo Watts, Eve Young and produced by Ollie Thompson.